you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. This show exists to help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. This episode is sponsored by AstroPad. AstroPad is an app that turns your iPad into a professional graphics tablet for your Mac. It works with any Mac app, so you can use creative tools like Photoshop and Illustrator right on your iPad. Check out AstroPad.com to learn more. This week's episode is also brought to you by Wix.com. With Wix, the web is your playground. Start with a blank page and design your website in any layout you want. Work right on the web page with advanced features and sophisticated visual effects. You'll have the freedom to tell your story exactly the way that you envisioned it. Go to Wix.com slash creative pep to get started today. That's W-I-X.com slash creative pep to get started today. Wix, what will you create? What's up, friends? I'm hanging out in Baltimore, getting ready to go talk at MICA, the Maryland Institute College of Art, which is really great. I've been wanting to visit for a long time. A lot of my favorite people went to school here. And, uh, you know, I didn't get to go to a fancy art school in America. And so this is kind of like my way of living my dreams. <laughs> It's going to visit these schools and and uh, share my work and do my thing there. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's I'm excited about it, and I've never been to Baltimore, so that's pretty cool. So today's episode is going to be a treat for you. Uh, this episode, I loved how this conversation played out. It played out in a very kind of practical way in a lot in a lot of ways. Darren Booth is an illustrator that I've been a fan of for a long time. We've been friends online for a long time. His style is really, really succinct and interesting and distinct, distinct and succinct. And I, I've always been fascinated by someone who can express themselves in such a unique way and kind of land in a, in a territory that is really their own. And in this conversation, Darren and I kind of walk through the step-by-steps of how he landed on this style. And it's pretty instructional. And I and, and in that way, I really, really love this. Um, and then in all ways, I just had a good time <laughs> hanging out with Darren. I hadn't met him, uh, even though we'd been friends online for a long time, I hadn't met him until just this past year at the Icon Illustration Conference. And that's where we recorded this conversation. I think you are going to... Find it a treat, whether you're an illustrator or a musician or a writer or whatever you are. I think there are some really clear instructions about finding your style and your voice. Things that are kind of esoteric and and vague. You know, I felt like because of that, growing up in the in the creative scene, no one would give me any clear instructions on how to even get started on unpacking my voice and this is just that so if you're looking for that it's going to be right up your alley Uh, if you don't know darren darren is uh, a lettering artist before lettering artists were a thing he's an illustrator he's a surface designer he's worked with a few clients just a few small ones you might have heard of google coca-cola aol target mcdonald's disney people like steve martin and willie nelson big 
time stuff we're talking about. Without any more blabbing, let's get to Darren. You're gonna love this. Here he is, my friend, Darren Booth. So uh, for people that don't know who you are, how do you, when you meet someone here even, what do you say? Um, my name is Darren Booth. Yeah. I'm an illustrator and hand letterer, uh, surface designer. Um, I kind of do like a painterly collage kind of style. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that style that kind of takes way too much time to, <laughs> to do. <laughs> and um, I, for the most part, I was like always working traditionally and just in the last year, I'm kind of switched over to digital. Are you almost full digital now? I am full digital. Yeah. Like unless I need to paint for whatever <coughs> reason or make some textures or something. But yeah, it's uh, yeah full digital. Do uh, do you feel like people know whether you're doing digital or uh, analog? Um, some people do just because they'll follow me on Instagram and they'll see like through my what stories doing, or something. Yeah. yeah. Right. And they'll have questions about like, Oh my god! I was thinking of switching to digital. Like, can I pick your brain about, you know, how you kind of made the leap and the transition? But uh, yeah, clients don't. They don't seem to notice or no, because it's. It, I think it's the work, easier for them. Yeah, the work yeah. still looks the same, and I think that was kind of the the one thing that I was worried about when I switched to digital. Like, can I make keep working the way that I want to work? Like your work. Yeah. Yeah. And can I do it digitally? Yeah. So, but I think that it was just kind of the perfect storm of like technology was finally got to the point where it was good enough and uh, like the Photoshop rushes kind of come to a the long point. way and come then, a long way in like three years yeah 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 it's crazy like I it still boggles my mind that we can build out final art on an iPad <clears throat> it used to be like uh, f- four or five years ago uh, if something was made purely digitally it really kind of grossed me out I was yeah. like you could see everything looked fuzzy you know, like, if they were trying to get a soft texture, it was just like, it looked blurred. Yeah. Or it tr- it, I hated it. Yeah, and it was certain, changed. certain colors, if you, like, are, are working digitally, certain colors feel more natural. Yeah. And then if you, you know, tweak the contrast or the hue or something, then you're like, okay, now it looks digital. And it's, I find there there is a, still, like, a fine line that you kind of have to walk to make sure it doesn't feel too digital. Too digital, yeah. But before it was always, like, um, uh... I don't know. You, you, digital was always kind of looked down on. Like t- when when I started my career, yeah, there weren't a lot of folks doing fully digital work. Yeah, it was still traditional. And then slowly, everybody was adopting more digital stuff, or, or just still working traditionally with like digital manipulation, kind of at the yeah, end, for the yeah. last ten percent of their piece or something. And I just felt like a dinosaur, not really <laughs> not working. <laughs> Digitally, and yeah, then, and finally, it just got to the point where I'm like, okay, I can finally make this leap while the the technology's up to snuff, and yeah, like it's it's good enough. So it seemed like with the uh, when lettering was like at its peak, though, that your analog approach applied to like a newer, th- I I you know I I hate using the word trend, but basically that's probably the quickest way to get there. Yeah, uh, this analog way of working. That you know, people that that are just starting don't have the chops, don't have the knowledge, don't have the background. Right. Applying that to a new thing that was really happening, that seemed to be yeah, that seemed to hit really nicely for you. Well, the fu- the funny thing is, I've been doing hand lettering before hand lettering was a thing. Was yeah, yeah, and it was like I had hand lettering in my 
college portfolio. Crazy. When I, when I graduated in yeah. 2001. Yes. So, and I remember I had um, a couple hand lettering pieces in my like physical portfolio, like ones that you actually went and brought to art directors <laughs> and showed them and yeah. you sat there nervously. I'm sorry, like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. And like I had transparencies in my portfolio and, you know, it was such a different time to how to like about how you go to about how, how you go about getting work. So, and it wasn't like I feel like there's only a few diff- few years difference between us, but things changed yeah. like rapidly. Yeah, I was yeah. kind of on the cusp of like when I graduated, um, I was the only one in my graduating class that had a working website the day we graduated. Yeah, and uh, yeah. like had my domain and stuff, and everybody kind of followed after that. But like it yeah. was, yeah, like I thought that was important. Like I think you need a website, to, you know, the day you graduated, that you gotta hit the ground running. Yep, and. Uh, I don't think maybe you did, but that was like the days of like flash websites and everything. And yes, but the I made mine. I was the same in that I had a Dreamweaver. Website. Yeah, we cut it up in all the pieces yeah, and it like it's all image based. Oh and you want gosh. it to look like it's like handmade or something. <laughs> and, oh, oh man, the good old days. The good of the old web. days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but I had before that we had Wix. What will you create? Sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I'm on Squares. Nope, <laughs> can't talk about it. Uh, <laughs> um, so, all right, we're gonna we're gonna just change uh, gears, and I I like to start with asking this question: If I before this path, this creative path that you've been on, mm-hmm. illustration, um, before that happened, if I asked you who you are before that, what would you have said? You know, well, you can start with what your childhood was like. How you saw yourself, what, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't know how I saw myself. I knew I'd be working with my hands somehow. If you, like, that's always been a thing. Yeah, I've you? been working yeah. since I was 10. Like, I actually had a job since I was 10. Doing what? Um, drywalling and plastering and carpentry and everything. Yeah. Um, just family business. So I would go work every Saturday with my grandfather, and he'd pay me, like, 10 whole bucks. Yeah. And uh, it was the greatest thing. And I learned all those skills, and then, you know... When I became a teenager, I'd go work with my uncle when he took over the business. And um, yeah, what I was always guys making. That was all drywall and okay. um, rebuilding houses and flipping them and um, yeah, and just kind of working with people that way. But I think that maybe subconsciously paved the way that I could work for myself, and I didn't realize that yeah. because my grandfather did it, my uncle did it. Didn't really. I'm just like that's just a way of life. Yes. And then when. Um, I was doing an internship in high school. I did it at like a screen printing shop. And one of the old guys who worked there, he's like, well, he goes, I know you're going away to school and, uh, you know, you might be an animator or something afterwards, whatever path you're going to take. He goes, but you are going to work for yourself. I'm like, I no, there's no way, man. I'm not going to, I'm no, I'll never work for myself. Like I can't be a boss. Yeah. And I don't know if he saw that in me or if he knew that that was common for that path for that creative path or something so um yeah and then i just i went to art school and sure enough like he was right and i saw that guy 10 years later and i'm like hey man good to see you you were right and he knew exactly what i was talking about what that's crazy he remembered that conversation and then like a year later the poor guy died but oh man but i got to tell him thanks basically so like Dumbledore. It's yeah. like Harry Potter yeah. saying, you're a wizard. Yeah. You're a freelancer. Um, <laughs> did So how did, so you were working with your hands. That was like a big part of, do you, did you like, is it like a the physicality, the sensory, like 
you know because problem solving okay yeah like a physical problem solving yeah, yeah and like my my father's heavily into woodworking my other grandfather's heavily into woodworking so like it's always been around the studio like always been around the house and either i'm working with one grandfather building a house or i'm working with my dad like you know just trying to make something look pretty and play with all different kinds of wood and yeah um yeah i think all that stuff slowly soaks into you and and kind of influences you in, in ways because my dad's basically like a collage artist with using wood with wood yeah, yeah. right yeah and i don't i didn't even realize that till after i'm like wait a minute like i didn't because there was no like it's not like they were artists yes so i didn't really put the two together you know yeah so what do you think you took from your mom um do you have things in common with her yeah the the pragmatic side of like how i would approach business yeah um that's very much my mom um but she still like knits and sews and puts quilts together and stuff so there are there is crafty like creative yeah yeah, and same with my grandmother on that side too like she's she's very creative and I, i think i probably had some artists in the family that just weren't allowed to become artists because it was you know 50 years ago or 100 years ago so didn't seem like a path no yeah and it wasn't something that was you know readily accepted right yeah so it was like you had to go find a job somewhere because you had families so young so you can't really so how did you find that path what my parents that? were pretty supportive um like but were you already painting like what how oh yeah like i was I, i've been an Have artist you always painted yeah ever how did since you know you like could sorry four or five years old like it's in my like baby books like, what do you want to be when you grow up artist <sighs> artist artist always artist but how was it how did it go from artist to illustrator how did that i didn't know what an illustrator was until i started college oh really yeah, so, so did you start a different program yeah it was like a general first year uh, okay called art you don't even have to pick no, it was our okay. fundamentals. Um, I didn't get into animation right out of high school, which wasn't uncommon there at Sheridan. Um, right. So if you took this art fundamentals program and you achieved a certain mark, you can kind of backdoor your way into animation and skip so the whole So you wanted portfolio. to go to animation? I did, yeah. Why? Did, wh- why? Um, just people in high school who were, were a couple of years ahead of me, some of the work that they were producing, they were animation students, and I, I was like, wow, that's amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, and I loved Toy Story and stuff when it first mm. came out, so I always yeah. thought I was going to be an animator. And then I got to Sheridan, started our fundamentals, and you could kind of walk around the animation wing, and um, all those cells and character designs were really cool, but then I'd walk around the illustration wing, and I was automatically drawn to those finished products right away where animation always seemed like a process because you have to draw yeah you know that bouncing ball x amount of times for it to equal five seconds final yeah yeah. so it just seemed like there was you're never really producing finished work in animation and it was always a team-based thing i think i liked being more of an individual so um yeah after like that first month of college i knew it was an illustration career that was more my path what were there any Specific? Do you remember any specific, like, you know, I don't want to overhype it so that you overthink it, but do you remember any or in the early days, uh, the any like magical moment, any moments where all of a sudden you're like illustration, like this is my, I gotta go this way. Yeah. Well, just walking in the hall, seeing the work. Yeah. There was, I think it was the third, like the, at that time the program was three years so the final work that they were the, the grads were producing that year they had styles they had like it was 
it was just it just resonated with me and that's when I knew I'm like yeah. it's, it's going to be illustration but I didn't really know what illustration was and the funny thing is when I went back for Christmas that year um, I was like flipping through some of the old books that were in my room and we were forced to keep like a journal in high school and um, that's interesting yeah we're like normally you wouldn't think to do that on your own when you're 17 years no. old and um, I was looking through it and I had like pulled stuff out of magazines and it was like illustrations that I clipped out of like Guitar World magazine and they were like of illustrators that I later on you know got to meet and oh, know their that's work crazy. And I, was like, I, I was taking this out I didn't even know what it was oh man so it, I was, love that. it was kind of like in you it was in kis- your, yeah. yeah kismet or yeah. whatever you call it so I do think like uh with illustration, I think one thing that's always been interesting to me, it's the same thing that interests me about comedy, is that it's really about, it's like a <clears throat> it's like a tool for uh, self-actualization f- uh, like yeah, developing your voice, like that's what style's so interesting, especially yeah. if you're someone who finds uh, like uh, being an, I'm an introvert, but I'm also very individualistic, right. and I uh, and I think that when you see a style that's really developed early on, that just like blew me away. Yeah. There's just something about figuring out your perspective and your voice right. that I was just like, oh man, I got to do that. And even now, like I've been doing this for 17 or 18 years now, and I feel like the first half of your career, you are trying to, you're still trying to find your voice. Yeah. And then after you find it, you're like, okay, that was fun. Now yeah. I want to now I want to completely change it. Really? You, you, just spent, yeah. you, know, you just spent the last fifteen years trying to find, find it. it. Yeah, and it's and and that's kind of what I'm going through now with with switching to digital or trying to aim my work into different areas of different whether markets. Yeah, whether yeah. it be kids' books or surface design or something that now I'm trying to like um, kind of take on some new influences or visit old ones that maybe I had kind of dismissed at one point where I thought I. Moved out, on or grew them, yeah. And then now, like I'm revisiting them, I'm like, you know what? I've always liked that artist's work, or I've always yeah. liked this style of work. And like, why did I kind of get away from it? Or you, I just got distracted, maybe by something else. But you have to kind of be careful what you get distracted by, and you have to be careful what you get good at because sure. you yeah. can you can waste a lot of time and a lot of years being interested in the wrong things. Sometimes. Getting curious about, I, I do think like figuring out that Venn diagram of what you're interested in and what people are interested in you making yeah. uh, and then being curious, trying to make sure you're, you, f- you pull the threads that lead down that road. And that you're still happy. And that you're excited yeah. about it, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, for a long time I was super happy making the work that I was making. Yeah. And then after you know doing it for X amount of years, it, the satisfaction started to wane and uh, you, you try to start figuring out like, why is it why am I not as happy anymore? I'm, yeah. I'm making money. I'm putting food on the table for the family. That's great. I've gotten some great clients. My career is still going upward, but creatively, yeah, it's um, I've kind of been at my worst in the last you know four or five years. Right. And then you got to once of, you're most established. Yeah. Once everything's working. Yeah, and that's like the worst time. You're like, <laughs> so shit. I'm I'm doing great now, and yeah. now I want to do something completely different and just blow it up, shake it up. Yeah. yeah. I mean. You, uh, I just want to circle back to uh, finding your voice because I think um, when you've been on the path for a long time and you learn the methods for uncovering your voice, mm-hmm. uh, you a lot of times it's an, an intuitive process, so you don't even think to explain it to other people. But right. I remember when I was in college, 
looking at these people with incredibly uh, articulated voices uh, and, and not ever getting good tips on how do you do that. It's right. a really crazy thing. And I think you just spoke to it a little bit saying you're, you kind of talked almost like a detective of yourself, yeah. which is similar to my process. But you looking back on, well, did I miss, you know, did I dismiss some of my, some of those early curiosities that, you know, and kind of looking back like a detective, what are the, what has helped you develop something that, because I, I do think you have a, such a distinctive style. Um, do you have any tips about how you got to that place other than, um, I don't know, that kind of reflection? I think when I was in school, um, if we were working on a painting assignment, I would do the painting like how I thought we were supposed to do it, and right. I thought I would be doing it in a good way. Yeah. And then in the other class, we were working on a collage, and I would do that the same thing. But there's, I liked painting, and I liked collage, and I liked doing this, and I liked doing that. And I was like, why can't I just take you know, two or three of these things that I like the, the most and enjoy the most and somehow try to fuse them. Yes. And that's kind of where, like, that was kind of the, like, I hate to say the, the aha moment, but I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And that kind of led to, like, okay, take this element, take this element, put them together, and then it was, the light went on. Yeah. And then from then on, I'm like, that's how I really enjoyed working. And I still love working that way. Yeah. And then... I think after a while you just eventually train yourself to always think like that. Yes. So it's it's tough in one way because you when you are trying to grow, you need to kind of pull back from that and re, kind of reassess everything and be like, okay, I've I've trained myself to think like this, but now I need to grow. So how am I going to what what am I going to kill off? Yeah. So what what am I going to prune so I can kind of grow that branch in a different direction? So I think that is super brilliant. I'm just <laughs> I'm highlighting it because it's one of the things that I find all I had the same experience in my own life, uh, and I see it all the time with frustrated creative people mm-hmm. saying they're thinking in a binary way. Right. Saying, "Well, I love this thing and I love that thing, and I don't know what to do." And I'm like, "Best case scenario, perfect. Yeah. That you're right at the cusp yeah. of the breakthrough because instead of seeing it as this thing and that thing, there's two options. It, it, it's a gray spectrum, and you're the, as soon as you can combine and remix those things, that's where you're going to start finding actual creativity. And I think half the battle there is knowing what you like. Yes, there's 100%. Some things, there's, that's, the, that's previous to that. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like, that's like 90% of the work right there. And then after that, you're like, okay, now I know what the, the two ingredients that I need to work with are. Yes. And then it's, you know, you just start trying to find the right proportions of them and how it's going to work and you know what uh, what kind of interests you from there and yeah and you'll know deep down inside you're like hey, that's working yeah and it might be very different from what you were doing before but a lot of these like um subtle changes that people go through it might be something like you're going to remove this texture out of your work or this yeah. color out of your work or you're going to stop doing an outline on all your characters and you're going to do this and that kind of pushes you to the next level. Yeah. And to you it's These a little hu- tiny micro decisions. Yeah. yeah. And to you it's a huge change. Yes. And I'll tell my wife, you see the nose? I'm doing different noses now. Though. Yeah. She's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And <laughs> Nobody and is going to see that. And to the outsider, they don't pick out that stuff. Yes. I was always re- very conscious about like again my mother's side being very pragmatic um, I was always worried about it from like a business perspective like yeah. if my work keeps changing 
um, really quickly, art directors are going to be like, well, I don't know what I'm going to get out of this guy. But if you look at my body of work, it's just slowly changes and to the outsider they don't know if a piece is a year old or if a piece is five years old yes and but to me it's night and day difference i talked to a artist uh for an interview way back and he described it as uh your style is like a giant tree where every branch is a micro binary decision we're like Am I going to put lines on it or am I not going to put lines on it? And that right. branch kind of goes out there. And then you do a few other branches there. And to you, you're like very stuck in the branch, like the tiny little branch. But everybody else has stepped back, seeing the whole tree kind yeah. of flourish. And it doesn't really, yeah. I yeah. think that and that's I, kind I of what I find right now with, with the changes that I'm kind of forcing myself to go through and that I need to kind of go through to just stay happy creating. Because yeah. I, I really was unhappy creating for the last you know couple of years and just in the last you know, say a year and a half or so. It's got to get there. Yeah, yeah. And I just feel like, um, like one of my friends actually, she summed it up and she's just like, you're, you're kind of in a, like an awkward teenager phase right now. Yeah, yes. And it, it, I, I couldn't say it better myself, but that yep. really perfectly describes it. So it's, but I think when, when you're kind of disc- trying to figure out your voice and a lot of the answers are right in front of you, you don't even realize it. It's having and the eyes, it's figuring out how to, how to see it. Because yeah. it's there, and yeah. you don't. And you, and at twenty-two years old or twenty-five years old, you don't really know how to kind of harness that and figure out what you're looking no. for. But when, like, I'm almost forty now, so it's um, I've kind of figured out what I like and how to kind of go about, you know, finding some of those old pieces and putting them together. And some of them are um, whether it's visiting old sketchbooks from yeah. ten years ago or five years ago. But I think a lot of times you are working on something like a sketchbook and it's in front of you you're only seeing one or two pages at a time yeah but if you take those five last five sketchbooks that you you had and you took all the pages out and laid them out chronologically yes you will see some sort of thread yeah exactly and then you're like okay i didn't even realize like i had you know such a thing for leaves and and such a thing for textures and you know, there's all these common threads that you're like, okay, I, I, that's my thing. Yes. And then you can at least build on that. But that's good advice for, you know, younger people trying to find their, find their voice and they don't realize it's there. Or there's the younger people who have this great voice, but they're trying to, they don't realize that they have a yeah. voice. And as like when I've, when I kind of taught in the past or when I see some illustrators work um, who are newer now, I'm like, no, 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 that's not the stuff you should be doing. Yes. Like this personal work that you're doing or your sketchbook stuff, that's, you can tell that it's there's, so it's more genuine. so hard to self-audit that, Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, and see. Yeah, it's good. That's why you need a teacher. You need people who, you know, practitioners, people yeah. that can see that stuff. Quick shout out to the sponsors. Thanks to AstroPad for sponsoring this show. AstroPad turns your iPad into a graphics tablet for your Mac. I use it to draw in Photoshop and draw an Illustrator with the brush tool, and I love the results. Most of my uh, biggest projects over the past couple years have been using AstroPad, using uh, the Apple Pencil to draw with the brush tool in Illustrator, and I love it. If you have wanted to do some digital drawing, I highly recommend AstroPad. Go to astropad.com slash try, T-R-Y. Use promo code PIZZA in all caps to get 10% off the studio version. 
Also, big thanks to Wix, Wix Wix.com. Here's what's cool about Wix. If you're trying to make a website, you know, pretty much everything online looks kind of uniform and the same these days. And if you're feeling like, I need some creative website that's as creative as my creative work, because you're just so creative, you gotta bash in as much creativity into every square inch of your digital footprint. Digital footprint, that's, I should get extra sponsorship for using those kind of technical terms on this ad. But Wix, what's cool about Wix? What I like about it is it's just take this blank page and then drag and drop text, pictures, what have you, and whatever all over the place and just move them around. That's the freedom that that Wix gives you, freeing us, liberating us to our cages online that used to be websites, not anymore, not since Wix showed up. Thanks, Wix, for sponsoring the show and giving us this tool. Go check it out, wix.com slash creativepep. So... My brain has like eight things going on that I want to make sure we don't skip because this is really fantastic. So um, I just want to say the whole like combining things for me, it was a, uh, a, a piece of work that was trying to combine Fraggle Rock with Alexander Gerard. Right. And I was like, and, and, I, and I always tell people, it's like, I know in your mind that sounds impossible and stupid, and I think you were saying like when you're doing it, you'll feel what's working. Yeah. But I think the thing that stops people is knowing that when you do that, it's not going to work, at least at the start, right. or it's going to be messy. Or you get that one, you're like, I don't know how I did this. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And then you, you try to reproduce, and you're like, yes. shit, I, I don't know what I did. The uh, So you, we also talked about um, how whether you would go do talks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like we're developing your talk right here. <laughs> oh. I've got your three points to finding your voice based on what you said. Right. Know what you like, combine what you like, and then something that I tell people to do, and you're describing it exactly as, uh, then to put all of this stuff, I say, you know, make your greatest hits on a Pinterest board or something, right. and look for the patterns and the threads, yeah. and... And that's, I mean, those three steps alone will get you moving. Do you feel like there's any other parts to that? Just keep exploring. Yeah. Um, that seems like experimenting and stuff or like accidents and stuff have been a big thing. Yeah. And I think when I, when I was first um, kind of starting to work in that style, um, I was experimenting here and experimenting there. And then I'm like, okay, let's experiment with these two things together. Combine your own stuff. Yeah. Yeah, And exactly. you can use yourself as your inspiration. So instead of putting, uh, you know, this artist's work up in front of you and this designer's work up in front of you, um, you know, put the work that you are really proud of, put it up in front of you and use yourself. It's like, okay, I did something really graphic this time and I did something really um, ornate this time. Let's see if we can put the two together because I liked working on both of those elements yes and uh you know see where you can kind of inspire yourself and then eventually you just use yourself as inspiration this is uh i'm very pragmatic in my approach to finding my voice and i wanted people to give me that but a lot of artists are not like that yeah but what you just described is exactly how i've uh what's processes that have really helped me yeah uh but saying know what you like combine what you like Evaluate your portfolio. Know what you like in your own portfolio, right? And then start combining those. Yeah. 
And then that's how it gets to a total, you know, you, when you step back and look at the 10 pieces you liked uh, through that early process, and then say, how do I get influenced by the accidents, the experiments that happen in that? Yeah. How do I make, turn them together? That's when it starts to get into this totally different territory that never existed. Yeah, because you'll start making work once you start experimenting, you know, even sometimes a week. You're like, I never even knew I could make this a week ago. Yeah. And just in the last year, especially with, with switching to digital now, I can finally um, maybe execute some ideas that I that I wasn't able to execute traditionally. Yeah. So a lot of this past year has just been exploring and then just kind of saying, you know what? That was a happy accident, even though it was digital. Because um, normally, like, I always kind of felt digital was so much more restrictive. Yeah. But when you don't know what you're doing, yeah. it's kind of better because there's no rules. And it's, yeah, it's ju- you're, ju- you're a lot more likely to have some stumble moments. Yeah. yeah and you kind of come across things. And I, I've, just things that I didn't really think that were um, important to me. I just started playing with them anyways, and all of a sudden they're making their way into my, excuse me, my work now, and it's slowly yeah. evolving again, and make it more noticeably evolving. But even just with some of the talks that we've, we've seen at, um, at Icon, like with, uh, with the various speakers, they're, from piece to piece, there's a lot more variation than you think like I think when somebody especially like, I think now it's more common yeah but anyway but it's, it's still I think a lot of times like people are like well if I'm going to you know introduce a new color or introduce a new what composition what are people going to think like people aren't thinking about yeah, it yeah it still <laughs> comes from your brain it still comes from your hand um, you know so it's still going to feel like you yeah and I think you have to kind of be confident in saying you know what it's still coming from the same place. It's still going to feel like me. And that is how you kind of, you know, one of the ways that you can kind of advance, right? Yes. So, so uh, looking back, were th- what have been the toughest moments of your career? What have been the biggest obstacles where you're like, Oof. oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, just sticking with it and yeah. making work on a regular basis was really tough. To, when work is slow, you're like, well, what am I going to work on? And And... I'm more of a people pleaser, so if a, a client calls and they say, well, we need this by, you know, by Friday, I'm like, sure, I will drop everything yeah. and do everything to make sure that it's done and, and done well. But if I give myself a deadline, it's, you know, next March by the time that it's it's done. Yeah. If it ever gets done. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, that was a, a real challenge, just trying to figure out, like, how you personally work and how to... How to like, trick your own mind. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, totally. To like, you're like, well, I suck at doing this, but how can I somehow turn that into a good thing? Yes. And um, that was, that's probably like, it's still the biggest challenge for me. And I think it always will be just kind of dealing with my own personality half the time. Yeah. And um, I think you, uh, I think what's really tricky for a freelancer, pretty much no matter what stage you're in, uh, you need to be making personal stuff when it's slow. But when it's slow, you, that's when you never feel, you, you feel, usually when it's slow, you instantly go into a place of dark darkness. Yeah. And that's not when you feel like making stuff. No. And so it's a, it's a really hard thing to figure out how to hack your mind. Yeah, and for me, when, when I'm in a rut, I find the only way to get out of the rut is to make stuff. I know yeah. some people get up and they go for a walk or they go to the museum or something and you just got to find what works for you. But for yeah. me, I have to f- like fight my way through it. 
It's a just, feeling of like, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that's a big thing be, for becoming a professional. Like a lot of times I don't have time for creative blocks. Yeah. I've it's got, just discipline. I, yeah. I've got deadlines. Yes. So like it's, you know, I've got to just keep making work. And then clients don't know if you, you know, are going through a divorce or if you're having a kid or if you're sick or whatever. And a lot of them don't care. Yeah. They, you know, yeah. they gave you a deadline. Like you've got to work with it. You've got to find a way to show up at work and, and get stuff done. So yeah. It's, uh, yeah, just kind of pushing through and, you know, trying to deliver, like, professional work. Because even when I was in a rut and, um, you know, there's stuff outside of work that I was trying to deal with, it's, uh, I'm still showing up to work and still producing work. And I look back at it now, and those emotions are kind of tied to when I see those pieces. Yeah. Like I pull out my flat, my flat file, and I'm like, oh, there's, there's that painting or there's this painting. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't even pr- believe I produced that because... You know, I was, having a, a, I, was, I, I was having a, I was having a baby even, at the same yeah, time. Like yeah. it was, yeah, and it's, um, it's, it's challenging. But like, yeah, what was the, what was the rest of the question? Uh, things, I was just saying things. what, you know, what, you know, what are I try to always get people to talk about uh, the obstacles because I think a lot of people will look at someone with your client list and your style and all that and just think. That it's been breezy. No, God, you know, <laughs> no, it's been, um, and I get that impression too from people. And the, sure. like, comparing yourself to other people like that is really hard not to do. Yes, and it, it's it, um, it's really harmful. But how can you not do exactly. it? You, you can't avoid it. So, and you've got a, you've got a professional, you know, uh, facade out there. Yeah, even no matter what's going on, you yeah. got to. You can't be like, yeah, things are crazy right now. But yeah, yeah. and it's um, no, it has. It's been like a like just every year I get you know a little bit better by pra- by just by producing more work and yeah. getting you know a few more clients and you learn how to negotiate better. And it's not only you getting better at illustration; it's getting better as a business person too. Sure. Yeah. And then the following year, you're like, oh, I can I know how to quote better now, and I can deal with rights better and. Now I'm going to push myself artistically a little bit more, and every year it's it's just kind of a and it snowballs into yeah. yeah. And uh, did do you have any specific uh, mentors or or just people in your life that have passed on lessons? And if so, do you have any that kind of stick out? Um, yeah, I did my internship with Gary Tax Alley when I was oh, crazy when I was finishing up college. Yeah, I didn't know that. And um, at the time, like it was just a three week internship. But he's he's a very hard working illustrator. Um, knows how to get his work out there. Has a unique style. But our personalities are completely different. Oh, but really? I can, but I can still take a lot of the stuff that how he you know works hard all the time and he's kind of hustling and apply those lessons to myself. Although, did you see things like when you were there? Were you like? Did it for me? Like the first time I met like a working illustrator properly, it opened a part of my brain that I couldn't open any other way. Like I was like, oh, that's kind of how it works. And you're like, you know, I don't know what was it? Yeah, like? just just kind of seeing behind the curtain. Yeah, a little bit, and um, the people that he met, um, kind of people that he knew and hung hung out with, and you know how you talk with an art director and how you negotiate, like even just kind of hearing him on the phone. Yes, you know, right, yeah. And hearing what the, what, how are you supposed to be. Yeah, and scenario. he's just like emailing them like regular old people and just talking to them like they're, they're friends and you're just having a conversation because essentially you're on the same team. It's, yeah. I think when I was younger, I, I always thought like it's, you know, us versus the client. Right, yeah. And it's, you have these two sides, but when, 
you're, you're just on the same side. It's we're both trying to make something good. Yeah, and they're yeah. going through the same stuff that you're going through. You know, they're just trying to get their job done, and you're trying to get your job done. And it's yeah, he was he was a great mentor, um, and a lot of the, the professors and stuff that I had in college, they were all working illustrators. Yeah. So I think that is very valuable too because they can give you more real life lessons and projects and stuff to work on and say well you know what that's not the kind of the feedback that a normal art director would give you they just say fix the hand yeah <laughs> you know don't go into yeah. this like i wanted it to look like a lobster claw or <laughs> like just learn your anatomy and fix the hand you know like yeah just like the excuse of yeah my style is lobster claw hands yeah all right that's why i don't have to learn it I um, think, like with students it's always um they have a lot of time in between projects. You know, yeah. Like when you first get into high school, you're like, oh my God, grade nine, it's going to be so much work. Yes. And yeah. then you get to grade 10, you're like, I wish I was still in grade nine. Yeah. It's so easy now. <laughs> well, same thing with work and school. School yeah, and work. Yeah. yeah. The students always think like, oh my, my God, God oh my gosh, I've, I've got, got so much work to do. And, you know, I've got grad show at the end of the year and I've got this project and I've got to go to life drawing. And you're like, you're like, yeah, look at my schedule. Yeah. I got three kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like, just, just sit down and do it. Like, yeah. And, and I think after, you know, they're working for a year or so, they're going to wish they were back in back school. Back in school, I know, And having yeah. a week to do sketches <laughs> and a week to do a final. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, just, I'm going to take it full circle. Uh, I find it really interesting that this all kind of was rooted in working with your hands, mm-hmm. you know, drywall, painting, collage, all that. And I imagine... It must have been, were you worried about switching to digital recently and losing the tactile sensory element of it? Yeah, totally. And how have you worked through it? What, you know, how, what was that Um, process like? Well, a lot of it, like I, I think when I was younger, I was very worried about how much the style was going to change and how that was going to affect like how a client thought about you and what they were going to get from you. If there was going to be too much of an art director surprise. Yeah. Um, Because art directors want to know what they're getting from you, right? So you have to be able to prove that. But I think after a while, when I, I'd start getting bored doing hand lettering, um, and I was good at portraits, so I'm like, well, I, I like doing portraits. Why can't I do more portraits? So I would put more portraits in my portfolio, and then I'd get more work doing portfolio. Like, yeah. surprise, surprise, if you build it, they will come. For some reason, uh, this is an aha moment for every artist, and it's yeah. like the most obvious thing in the world, but, but I for some reason... I wasn't like... 20, I think I realized that when I was like 26 or Like if you want to get book cover jobs, you should have some examples of how you can yeah. do book covers. Yeah, and here. that's exactly yeah. what I had to do. So I find with like switching to digital or making personal work or whatever it is, if I'm starting to go down a new path, I basically just have to share the work, put it out there, don't be afraid to do that, but also show how I anticipate it being used, whether it's in packaging or in fabric design or yes. whatever it is. And, you know, by the time, like, it trickles down from, by the time you put it out there, you think, oh, I'm putting new work out there. The world's going to know about it right yeah. away. And some of them may. But by the time it trickles down to the clients, it's probably two years later by the time they're saying, you know what, can we get you to do that? And you're like, I've already moved you're on like, to what? The, I'm uh, doing this thing. Yeah. yeah. So you're always two steps ahead of the clients. For the most part, you are. But So you just said that, uh, and it's something I think about a lot, it's like, nobody is... No art director, no fan, no whatever is uh, as invested in the trajectory of your work as you are. And they're not watching with intent. It's kind of 
I find that you kind of have to bash them over the head with. Yeah, totally. This is my next thing that I want to do. Um, and you said that, obviously, putting that stuff into your portfolio, that's one thing you can do. Another thing is showing it how it can be applied, like yeah. making that extremely clear. Like, what have you done in terms of patterns? And Well, when I, I was doing a lot of editorial work near the beginning of my career, yeah. um, and it stressed me out because just trying to come up with concepts all the time and... My work was very labor intensive and it took a long time to do. So if you're only getting four or five hundred dollars for a spot illustration yeah. or something, I wasn't making a lot. It's like I need some better paying jobs here. And I loved book covers. So like, well, I don't know how to get them. So I made a few book covers and put them in my portfolio. And then six months later I was finally getting some book cover, book cover jobs, work yeah. that paid better, gave me longer deadlines. I was like, okay, this is feels more natural to me and I'm not so stressed. And then same with advertising work. And I, I sat there and like studied other illustrators' portfolios and figured out, okay, why is does their why do why does their style work for advertising? And what and is it they're book? doing? That, what is that yeah. common thread? And like, how do I apply it to my own and try to dissect their work and and dissect my own at the same time? So then I started introducing um, you know different kinds of work to my portfolio or just just different compositions that felt like it was advertising. Yeah. And um, just really subtle things, but it, it does take a while to kind of trickle down. Yeah. So, yeah, with patterns, like, I, at first I had a couple patterns just with no application whatsoever. Yes. But the second that I put, oh, pattern on a pillow or a pattern on a chair, surprise, a client's like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Right. Like, for, for being a visual industry, sometimes we're really dumb. I know. <laughs> like, you're like, come on, you're an art director. You couldn't make Like, come that. on, can't you see? Like I always yeah, say, you like... You can't make that leap. You put a cat in your portfolio, and the anatomy's fantastic, and uh, you assume that means they know. You can do anatomy. You can do dogs. You can do, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, no. You know, they know you can no, do cats. They only think you can do yeah. cats. And it's, you know, it's not even about being smart or dumb or whatever. It's about uh, risk mitigation. Yeah. It's like... This is, their job's on the line. Yeah. If they hire you to do cats, they're like, or you know, whatever it is, they're like, look, he can do it. And they can show their boss. Yeah. He can do cats. He's the cat guy. The majority of your jobs that you do, like as a working illustrator, are all just recreations of the greatest hits in your portfolio. 100%. Right. Yeah. Like that's all it is. So after a while, after you're working for a long time, you just feel like you're recreating all your old work again. Yes. And that's why you have to keep, you know, pushing keep new doing things. doing your own and, thing and figuring it out. Yeah. I keep every, every, uh, I did the pep talk booth and every person I start with the same question, which always sounds really rude and that's kind of the joke, but I say, well, what do you want? Like, yeah. Sounding like. It's such a simple okay. question. Yeah. It's, a it's simple, hard, a hard to answer, yes. right? Yeah. And if you don't know what you want, then you can't reverse engineer it into the work you're going to be making to get that work. Yeah. But I'll tell you, nine out of 10 people I ask, they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm yeah. like, well, then how is anybody else going to know what to give you? Yeah. You don't know what you want. How do they? They're not. Yeah. Yeah. Not it see, it seems like such simple advice and such a, a simple answer, but it's it's not, and it takes you a long time to figure out. Yes. And 100%. I think like I wish I had somebody, you know, answering those questions for me when I was getting out of school as well. But you don't. It just takes time. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, as bad as that sounds, and as, as cliche as it, you know, just give it time. Just give, give it time. time. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, but when you're 22, you want everything right right away, yes. and, and you. You know what you want, but maybe you just can't articulate it quite yet. So, I think when you get uh, stuck into it properly, you appreciate it taking time a little bit. Like I, I used to want it all happen at once yeah. when I first got out, and now it's kind of more like 
don't want to rush it. I don't want yeah. to go into the next phase instantly. I don't want you know all the opportunities to come at once. Yeah. I don't want to know what all the opportunities are going to be. I wanted to you know I like to see how this is kind of unfolded. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it is, um, I think when you you know if he did get it all at once, what's after that? Exactly. Like if if you get everything you want, then look at Jim Carrey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love Jim Carrey, but he's someone who I always think of like who rose to such heights really fast and then it seemed like it just destroyed his mind for, yeah. a, for at least a little while. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Another Canadian. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I actually noticed that a lot of your speech is similar to him. I noticed, and, but it's probably just because he's one of the only Canadians that I really have, I don't know, studied very much. But yeah. He's, um, when you catch an interview with him, he's actually really aware and astute as he's to what's very, going on. Yeah. He's a, I mean, I find him Super fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I like all of his philosophy. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, he approaches it with his own kind of thinking and whatever applies to him. And, you know, I think he's he's just a typical creative guy who's gone through all these typical challenges like we have. Yes. And, and you're just you're doubting yourself half the time, and then the next day you make something that you like, you're like, oh, this isn't so bad. You do something that, you know, goes super well, and then you try something new, and it doesn't, and yeah. you're doubting, and you're like, it was a fluke, and you get another good one. Yeah, it just ends up yeah. being a roller coaster. And then you come to, like, a, a conference or something like this, and, like, the whole room is packed with talented people who can do stuff that you cannot do. Oh, uh, I know. And Sometimes it, you watch these... Uh, it's so intimidating because, like... I just remembered that I have a talk that I have to go to because okay. it's my friend. It's about it's Jeremy. Oh yeah, uh, yeah we got, I and I was like, oh time. gosh, do we got talk in and out? No, but we got time anyway. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, um, yeah. You come to these conferences and you just realize you're like, wow, I really suck at. I know like, at this yeah, or at that, yeah. and it's just kind of it puts you in your place and it, it humbles you, but um, it inspires you too because you yeah. feel like, man, I could do more than, or yeah. I could do better, yeah. or or for me this time around. I feel like we've had a lot of like experimental kind of people that are doing a lot of like I don't know how it's going to turn out kind of thing like yeah. Dadu, Shin, and and Simon who was just on. I feel like there was a lot of like when you're in the fi- the execution of the final, mm-hmm. still uh, experimenting, and I find that really inspiring for me where I'm at right now. I think it's really tough to. Um just remind yourself that you have to keep experimenting and don't get like once you start developing your process yeah um is to you know realize that your process is still fluid it still should be like a process a, a fluid document like it can change at yeah. any time yes it doesn't always have to be go to step one go to step two go to step three and go to step four and i've caught myself in that rut many times yes and then you know i'll get out and i'll be like oh well why don't i just do this or just do that like there's no rules that say I can't. Yep. So, and then, you know, you just have to kind of shake it up a little bit, but... Yeah. I've thought about recently, uh, I, will, I try, I'm trying to balance out order and chaos, because I'll go down a path of, like, you know, the last book I just made was very ordered. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to take it. I wanted it, I wanted to finish it. It was one of my first proper kids' books, and I wanted to finish it and feel like I didn't do anything in it where I'm going to look back and be like, oh, what were you doing? Right. So I would just like, I'm not, not playing it safe in a bad way, but just like, what do I do that's good? And I'm going to do that. Right. And then after going through that process, I go and I'm like, you know what? It's time to inject chaos into this. Right. Yeah. So. There's, um, John Hendricks has that Drawing is Magic book, wonderful book. But one, yeah. of, one of the tips in there was 
basically make a list of a hundred things that you like to draw. Oh, that's um, good. And I think it, I, I believe that's an old spin on um, uh, Marshall Arisman's class, okay. right? Yeah, um, or lesson. And I know some other people who kind of do it in their classes at the. That's teach. a good one. And I still, I, love I, that. I actually have a piece of paper stuck in behind my computer, pinned on the wall, like with roughly forty things that I like to draw. And it applies to uh, songwriters. Yeah. Writers, because I mean, what, what do you happened, like to write about? What's the hundred things you want, like to write yeah, music about? Because whatever. what happens is, like, if you're stuck with a blank page, um, you're like, I don't know what to do. Because sometimes a blank page is really scary. So you're like, oh, well, I've got to look on this list. Oh, I like drawing trees. Yes. Boom. Now you got trees. Now you're off and running. But find like with, yeah, like if you're working on a book or, or something, and you're like, well, I got to interject something else of me in here. Yeah. You know, it doesn't always have to be just things that you like to draw. Maybe it's things that you like to to do or, like, you know, I like to, you know, play with weird crops yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, you know, interject some of those things into the book because then you, you know, you can look at the book later and be like, oh, yeah, no, I remember I was trying to change things up a little bit there yeah. and maybe I didn't pull it off. Or And you kind of develop, I do think developing, like, these are my core values as a creative part, like my creative core values. Like yeah. the, you know, these are the things that I, and then sometimes you're like, I'm, I'm going to do the opposite of that one. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, I do the same thing. Well, this is awesome, man. This yeah. is like a fantastic well, talk. Thanks for having me. It's Absolutely. A, I want to go check out uh, all the, the other talks here and it's been good hanging out with yeah, you. Finally been, meeting I know. In person. Yes. It's been good to finally hang out in real life. I like connecting yeah. that dot. Finally, we've talked a ton on it on the internet yeah. over the past five years. So anyway, but yeah, it's probably been at least five years. I would yeah. say. Yeah. How can, uh, how should, how do you want people to find your stuff? I don't want them to find it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to hide I'm it. I'm trying to hide it until it's, it's like fully <laughs> formed. It's really until perfect. Until it's fully yeah. cooked. <laughs> um, on Instagram, you can find me at Darren Booth. Yeah. Um, and on Twitter, you can find me at Dare Booth, just D-A-R. Right. Booth. Um, That's when you were some guy in Because some guy no. in England has my handle. That's when you were a dare officer. Yeah. Drug, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, or just DarrenBooth.com. All right. Um, yeah, thanks, man. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Darren, thanks, man. Thanks for being on the show. We love you. We appreciate you. This episode was chocked full of nuggets of wisdom. This was basically a, a 20-piece chicken wisdom nugget episode uh thanks man <laughs> go i i loved hanging out with you buddy uh i'm glad we got to finally meet looking forward to hanging it out hanging in out again soon go check out darren's work at darren booth on instagram or darrenbooth.com on the web the website uh his work is gorgeous great mixture of collage and painting and lettering you're not going to be disappointed. He's the real deal when it comes to illustration. Thanks to you guys for listening. If you like Creative Pep Talk and you want to give back, there's a bunch of ways you can. Review the show on iTunes. For some reason, that really helps. And and a lot of you do that, and that is beautiful. Back the podcast financially with your money at patreon.com slash Talk. If you are a patron of this show, you are the lifeblood of this show. And if you're not a patron of this show, you're not the lifeblood of this show. And if you want to be lifeblood, go back it 
on Patreon. Go to you can go to creativepeptalk.com slash shop to get merch. We got new calendars in the shop, the 2019 calendars. They might not be there for long. I've been waiting for weeks to show you these. Really excited about it. They're out now. Chocked full with episode art to bring pep to your step through every month of 2019. Treat yourself. Uh, you can get the first 100 episodes and stay up to date when the new episodes drop by signing up to the newsletter at creativepeptalk.com. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. If you never have, go to Spotify and listen to January 20-something by Y, W-H-Y question mark. If, you, if you're a longtime fan of the show but you've never listened to that, that song, it might just blow your mind. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. Thanks to, and you can, you can listen to that on Spotify too by searching Creative Pep Talk soundtrack. And thanks to Alex for editing this show so beautifully. He's great at doing that. Thanks to you, thanks to you friends, for listening. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. Thank you.